0: I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And Father, I pray that you bless your word tonight. I pray that you would anoint us, Father, to have the understanding that you want us to have. Lord, it is really incredible what you've done for us, how you have brought us into your kingdom. And Lord, you have made us ambassadors and kings and priests unto you. Father, let us understand the significance of that right now. Let us understand the incredible things that you want to do through our life Father, how we are joined to heaven and how we are the means by which heaven's will can be done on the earth today. And Father, let that excite us and move us. Let us have ownership of that. Father, that we have responsibility to to live lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit. That you would receive your glory, God, in our life and in our church and our community. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to read in Galatians chapter 5, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I want to talk about this particular passage that it is the desire of the Holy Spirit for us to remain in our liberty and in our freedom that we have been given through Jesus Christ. A great price was paid in order for us to be free, and yet it is the desire of the devil and religion to bring us back into bondage. But the Lord wants us to be a free people, and there's a reason for that in so many ways, but tonight we're going to look at it in regards to the kingdom of God, that we live in freedom for the kingdom of God. The Bible says so many times, there's a passage we're going to read in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can turn there, and there's also a passage in Romans chapter 8 that says that we have received the spirit of God and not the spirit of bondage. We haven't received the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God, and that is a spirit that brings us freedom and brings us liberty. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, now the Lord is that spirit And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How many of you are grateful for that? Uh, There's not a person on earth that is living a Spirit-filled life who is being overcome with depression. They might fight it, but they're overcoming it. And they're beating that, and they're winning. And so this is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm going to come back to this a little bit next week as we talk about the kingdom of God. But really what I want you to understand in these two passages of scripture that we've looked at tonight is they both deal with continuing in the gospel of Jesus Christ and not going back to the law, not going back to legalism, not going back to Moses, if you will. Now, we're now. There might be some that are here tonight that have Jewish roots, but for the most part we're not Jewish, we're Gentiles who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and we would say, well I've never been under the law of Moses, that's true, but you have been under the law of conscience and we have tried to live in regards to our conscience, knowing what is right and what is wrong and we've been under that type of law. And so we have tried to bring ourselves to a place that is pleasing to God and honorable to God through self-work and self-effort. And this is not acceptable to the Lord. The Lord wants us to maintain our freedom that is in Jesus Christ. And specifically, guys, the Bible tells us that that freedom is in the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty And so it really tells me and testifies to me that I need and I have the opportunity to live a spirit-filled life, and so do you. The Bible commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a suggestion, but it's a command. It's a good command, and it's something that we should all be so thankful for that we can be. How wonderful are the commands of the New Testament because every command of the New Testament is associated with the grace of God. Not your ability to climb up into heaven to do it, and not your ability to crawl down into hell to gain it. And that symbolism of crawling down into hell is through self-torture, self-sacrifice, self-punishment. That if I punish myself enough, then I can receive the Holy Spirit, or I can fulfill the commands of God. But the New Testament commands are always associated with grace, which is the help and the power and the ability of God. They are gifts given. They are not so much rewards earned, but they are gifts given to us. And the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that is given to us. It's God himself coming to us. And so when the Bible says for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit... It is an extension of God's grace to us. And I would pray that all of you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you are or not. You could have been yesterday and not today. And so I pray that all of you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you're understanding the joy of the Lord and the power of God and the freedom of God in your life. I pray that is your testimony here tonight. And I I truly desire that. It is the battle of the church in every generation to preserve the freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free with. Every generation is responsible for that battle. And every generation of Christian has to fight satanic powers and principalities that seek to bring us back under bondage. And so we have today the opportunity to fight this great battle, this worthy cause to maintain the freedom and the liberty That Jesus Christ died to give us. And dare we allow this liberty to be taken on our watch. We are as Americans watching and witnessing the precious freedoms and liberties of our country being taken away from us. Through elected representatives that are not really caring for the constitution or caring for the law or really caring for this republic. But seem to be more interested in the voices that scream the loudest. Rather than the blood of our fathers who gave us the opportunity to have a free nation. We are watching our liberties being taken away from us. But dare we as the church of Jesus Christ. Allow the freedom that we have in the Lord to be taken by Satan. Or his religious pawns that would seek to come into our congregations. And put the people of God back under bondage or back under the law. Even in an attempt to be holier. Because you will never be more holy than the holiness that grace gives you. And I pray that you will understand that and walk in that. Both of these passages of scripture in Galatians chapter 5 and in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Both of them, when it talks about liberty and freedom, are both dealing with the context Of going back into legalism, going back into the law of Moses, or going back through self-effort and self-performance. Both of them do. And so I stress to you tonight that our freedom is contingent upon the Holy Spirit and His presence. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm sure that you have been in churches where there was no freedom. I'm sure you've been in religious gatherings where there was no freedom. They might gather in the name of Jesus, but just throwing the name of Jesus in something does not necessarily mean that it is a service that is honoring Jesus Christ. When we use the name of Jesus in our prayers, when we use the name of Jesus like that's what we're gathering in, it's so easy to say that, but yet Jesus is not honored. He's not the center. He's not the one that is focused upon. But when a church or a gathering is truly focused upon Jesus Christ and everything is for his glory and everything is for his honor, the Holy Spirit is most pleased. That is the service that he truly can move freely in. Everyone wants to say they had a spirit led service. But very few really do have spirit-led services. You can't have a spirit-led service if you don't have a spirit-led life. And when the Holy Spirit leads you, he's going to upset your life. He's going to upset your way. He's going to upset your tradition. He's going to upset your comfort zone. And he's going to make you move in faith. And that faith is to trust the Lord. We like to move in our talents and our abilities. But he wants us to move in our gifts. And that's not something you personally have confidence in. But that is something you're trusting the Holy Spirit to perform through your life. And so I pray that we are a church that desires the presence of the Holy Spirit. And his freedom and his liberty that he gives to us. I wanted to say this to you. I I, I want to put this image in your mind, if, if you will. And I want you to think about the church for just a moment as a, as a very intricate and strategic thing in the kingdom of God. Because the church of Jesus Christ has part of its existence on the earth. And part of the church of Jesus is in heaven and part on earth. And I want you to try to consider the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ being on the earth in a hostile environment, the kingdom of God, if you will, as it is represented in the church and as it desires to operate through the church. I want you to see the church as a relief station, as a refuge station, if you will, where people Who are living in this world that is harassed and abused and molested by Satan. And people come to the end of every bit of hope that they could possibly have. Their lives are destroyed. Their hopes have been vanquished. Their dreams are gone. Their lives are wrecked and their lives are ruined. They contemplate suicide They contemplate ending it all. They turn to addictions. They turn to alcoholism. They turn to drugs. Whatever they can to find some source or sense of relief from the hounding affliction that goes on in this world. And God has strategically set up and his desire to strategically set up throughout the earth these relief stations. These refugee camps, if you will, where people who have had enough of hell, they've had enough of Satan, they've had enough of this kingdom of darkness, they've had enough of this torment, have a place that they can run to and find freedom. And that place is not weak and that place is not vulnerable, but that place is powerful. It's, it's if you will... If you could imagine back in the days of the Calvary when they would set up these outposts on the far edges of the wilderness and there was communities that would kind of live on the outside of those those forts. But when things would get hostile, if it was weather, if it was climate, if it was a famine or if it was from some type of war or an attack, then all of the people that lived in the surrounding areas of that fort would evacuate into the fort where there was a sense of safety. It's not a great picture because that fort is so far removed from the central area of power that was in the United States of America at that time. They had to fend for themselves and oftentimes those forts would be overrun. And a lot of times the people that would flee for refuge in those forts would find themselves destroyed, seeking, facing death, facing pestilence in those forts. But that's not what the church is like. Because wherever the church is, it is in direct relationship and communion with its head. Wherever the church is, it is the absolute power and it is the absolute authority. The church is under the subjection of no one and no thing that is outside of Jesus Christ. The church does not take its orders from the government of men, but actually the church takes its orders from Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ being the head of the church. It has authority over principalities and powers. The church of Jesus Christ has authority over the elements. It has authority over weather. It has authority over natural disasters. It has authority over the governments of men. It has authorities over demons and over devils and over suicide. It has authority over sickness. It has authority over disease. The church of Jesus Christ does. The design of God is that that church is an outpost, a relief station, a refugee camp where multitudes of people who are being tormented by the devil can run into the church of Jesus Christ and find the kingdom of God. They can find the king there. They can find life there. They can find real relief. And I don't need an addiction I don't need to commit suicide. I don't need to end my life that way. I need to end that life by coming into new life through Jesus Christ. And becoming a new creation that Jesus Christ desires to make me. Beloved, can you get that vision in your mind? And better yet, can you get that revelation in your spirit that the church of Jesus Christ is to be a relief station, a refugee camp where souls can flee and find the health and the power and the protection of the kingdom of God. And that's what the church is all about, that we are the kingdom of God expressed in the earth and we're not weak and we're not timid and we're not under the authority of anything that is on this earth because we are the very body of Jesus Christ. And we wonder, where is the authority and the power of that church? Where is the exercise of that authority? And the problem is is that we're so out of touch with heaven. We're so out of touch with God. We're so out of touch with the King. Most of our faith is presumption. And most of our prayers are a wish list. Rather than a communication of intimacy with the King... So that we know what he wants, and we're on assignment of the king as an ambassador, not to barter with nations, but to give. This is the final say from the kingdom of heaven. You take it or you leave it, and if you leave it, you do it at the jeopardy of your own health, your own sustenance, because God will move in the nations of men. God is God. And God is sovereign and God will do the things that he wants to do. And God will judge the nations and that's what the Bible tells us. But so often, as Christians, there's such timidity and there's such fear, and we're so out of touch with heaven, and we're so unsure and we're so uncertain of our own worth and our own value to the kingdom of God. What could I ever do? What could I ever provide? And so for the most part, if you were to imagine the body of Christ on earth, where maybe only Two toes and maybe one leg and maybe one arm actually work. And the rest of the arm and the other leg and the other foot really doesn't do anything. It's, it's kind of, you might have these pictures from things you might have seen on TV or even in the movies where this one hand's just kind of clawing the ground to pull itself forward. And that's the church of Jesus Christ in the earth trying to cover the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ because so much of the other part of the body of Christ is divided and inactive. Because the gifts of the Spirit don't move. What if we were really in tune with heaven? What if we were really Spirit-filled and we had the mind of Christ? What if we were really confident in the grace of God who empowers us and gives us gifts to function in this world in a capacity that is absolutely supernatural? What if we really walked in that today? We have no clue what glorious things we would see, but I believe it and... I long for it and I want to live in that. And so Jesus' sin is here to demonstrate his rule and to manifest his kingdom. I want to say this to you. I I want you to get this in your mind as well and in your spirit by revelation. And I pray that because so much in the Bible is by revelation. And, And I just want you to see this. I've said this to you so many times that when Jesus was on the earth, he was confined to a human body. And yet, Jesus was able to do anything that God wanted him to do through that human body. And he did speak to the winds and the waves, and they obeyed him. And Jesus did command the devils, and Jesus did cure the sick, and Jesus did walk on the water, and Jesus was able to deal with poverty and hunger with just a little bit of bread and fish. Because he's God and he was anointed of the Holy Spirit, but he did it all in a human body. And Jesus was able to go into the world and face to face with men, he was able to say that the kingdom of God is before you. Because the king was before them. Now we understand that because that's Jesus. And Jesus is God. And Jesus is God in the flesh. And he's God on earth. And so we understand it because that's Jesus Christ. And so we have no doubts about that. There's no complication with our ability to have a faith in the fact that Jesus was on earth doing those things. But somewhere there's a disconnect when we believe Jesus doing things like that today. So I submit to you. That in the person of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is in every wit on earth now through the Holy Spirit as it was when Jesus was here. Because Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm sending him and he's just like me. He's God himself. The only difference between the Holy Spirit and Jesus is the body They have to wear. That's the only difference. And so I want you to read this with me in Ephesians chapter 2. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about liberty. We're talking about authority and power that God has given us through Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. So I want you to understand this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. The Bible says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. So so it's all to fit together together. And it's to grow unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So the church is not me as an individual. The church is us together making up a temple or a body. By definition, the church is not Ship, but by definition, the church of Jesus Christ are those who that are called out and called together. It takes those, it takes many to make up one, many parts to make up one. And so the church is composed of many people. I am the temple and so are you. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. And you are the temple. He lives in you. That's what qualifies you to be part of the living stones that make up his house. He lives in people. So I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to understand this about the body of Christ. He says in verse 13. He says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where's the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, then where's the smelling? But now has God set the members, everyone, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him? And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more. Those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness or beauty. For our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks. God puts us in the body. And I want to focus on two attitudes very quickly. Number one, the attitude. You or myself, we cannot have the attitude that says, well, I'm not the eye, so I'm not of the body. And we think ourselves to be irrelevant. We think of ourselves to be without consequence. We, we don't have any honor in our own estimation of ourselves. Because I'm not an eye. I'm not an ear. I'm not a hand. I'm not relevant. I'm not important. And I'm not part of the body. You cannot say that if you're born again. It's not about you. It's about God building his holy temple so that he can inhabit it because where he is, there is freedom. He has to have you. He desires to have you. And you should not be envious of the eye or the ear or the hand. You shouldn't be envious of that. As a matter of fact, I think when we get to heaven and we've seen all of these preachers and people on stages, they're not going to be rewarded as greatly as people we never heard of. We had our moment in the lights. A second attitude is this. Because you may be considered valuable in the body of Christ because you might have what everybody seems to think a very honorable ministry, a very honorable position in the body of Christ. You cannot say to another member of the body of Christ, I don't need you. I can't say that to you. I need you. I need you in my life, I need to be in fellowship with you because there's something of God in you that I need in my life, or I cannot function properly. I need you in my life. And, and, and Paul stresses if we think somebody has honors, not necessarily that the Holy Spirit does, because he puts us all in the body as it pleases him. So we've all been drawn to First New Testament church, we're, we're a small, maybe we're a fingernail of the body of Christ. But we're that fingernail, all right? And so we're all composed of this Part of the body of Christ and the body of Christ is much bigger than us. And there are many more parts than us that compose the body of Christ. As I've said, some have even gone to heaven and they're part of the body of Christ. And some are on earth and they're even part of the body of Christ. So God brings you into the body of Christ. He has chosen to bring you into first New Testament. You say, well, I don't like it here. Well, it puts it where he ple- it pleases him, not you. And so this is where God has you. It's not about what you want. This is where we are. This is where we worship. This is where we go. I'm not used to all of this. I don't know that I like all of this. I don't know that I want all of this. not about you. He's put us into the body. This is what he has our body doing. Some bodies of Christ... Are existing and everything they do is the 1040 window. That's everything they do. That's everything they talk about. That's everything they preach about. Some bodies of Christ were all about abortion. That's all they talked about. That's all they preached about. That's all that they did. And that was fine for them. When you look at the churches in Revelation, seven churches are examined. Five of them are rebuked. Two of them are not rebuked and God never says to the five that were rebuked, you need to go to these other churches' conferences and learn how they're doing it right. He never compared them because a church is a living thing. And you know what? This pinky doesn't do what this thumb does. And so God's not going to say, you know what, pinky? You need to take some lessons from the thumb because it's not designed to do what the thumb does. So if the church down the street is doing something, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Praise God for them. I need them. I need what God wants them to do in Baton Rouge, but I'm not going to try to be like them, and I would not ask them to try to be like us. But I would say to us in First New Testament Church, Church, participate in what the Holy Spirit has us doing. This is where He's brought us. This is where He's brought us, and, and it doesn't take a brain surgeon to understand what God wants to do at First New Testament Church. And so we 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 make announcements about it. We we give opportunities about it. We preach about it. We do all of these things about it. And so this is what we do. I'm going to participate in my church because that's where God has placed me. And as I participate, I'm going to discover gifts and abilities that God has given me. And I might not be an eye and I might not be an ear and I might not be a nose. But you know what? I'm not going to sit around and say, well, if they're not letting me do that, I'm just not doing nothing. No, I'm going to do what God's given me to do. And where God's placed me, that's where I'm going to function and that's where I'm going to walk. I'm talking about the liberty of the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to see this. The Holy Spirit has given this body to wear. May we be a body that allows him to move freely. May we not grieve him or quench him or resist him. But may we allow the Holy Spirit to move freely because he's going to magnify Jesus Christ. He's going to lift him up and he is going to bring him such wonderful glory. And I pray that we will have this because in the Holy Spirit there is freedom. And if we are to have, listen to me carefully, if we are to have the corporate life of the Holy Spirit. Because don't you want a church full of the Holy Spirit? Right? Don't you? That's so weak. Do you want a church full of the Holy Spirit? You cannot have a church that is corporately filled with the Holy Spirit that is not having its members individually filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't walk into a room because the sign says a Pentecostal church on it or a full gospel church on it. Just because we walk in the room, we say, oh, well, this is a spirit-filled church. It could be the deadest church you've ever been to in your life. But if we are to have a spirit-filled church, you must be a spirit-filled member. And to the degree that we are spirit-filled and we gather together, then we are corporately spirit-filled. He overflows from us. And it makes a great river. And it makes a great move of God in our life. Looking back even at 1 Corinthians 12, he says in verse 7... He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So the manifestation, God's Holy Spirit being manifested among us is going to bring profit to everybody. Everybody. It's not so much for you or I to judge that profit. It's up to God to judge that profit. It's for him after all, not us. It's for him. But there is the profit of everybody's life because of that. The kingdom of heaven is always present and has the power to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, to preach the gospel with authority and power. Sickness and death banishes and is overpowered by the kingdom of God. The removal of blindness, cripples healed, the deaf ears opened. Dumb mouths able to speak. The kingdom of God is the remedy to hunger and thirst and famine. The kingdom of God is that only thing that can bring plenty to men. Miracles are essential to the nature of the kingdom of God. They're essential. The kingdom of God is in power. It's not in word only. But in power. Miracles are essential by nature. To the kingdom of God, to the presence of God, to the life of a child of God, to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus oftentimes appealed to the religious leaders who were questioning his validity as being the Messiah. If you don't believe me because of what I say, look what I'm doing. And the church of Jesus Christ in any generation has to be able to say the same thing. How do we know that you are the authentic kingdom of God? Look what we're doing. And that can only be done because the Holy Spirit is actually there. The church is a supernatural body because it is filled with the Holy Spirit. The church has walked across history defying the strategic attacks of Satan to shut it down or to stop it. And even though it has had to exist in some very dark ages, The Holy Spirit had a remnant of people, men and women, who would believe him and trust him and walk with him. And sometimes to their death, but their seed of death would spring forth hundreds if not thousands of new believers in Jesus Christ. It's supernatural. Christianity should be over, but it's not. It should be weak, but it's not. They underestimate us. They think Christianity is on its way out. They think Islam is on its way up. They think the new age is this. They think Marxism is this. They think they can silence us with something, government order. They've seen nothing yet. The most weak the church becomes, the more powerful it is. The power of God and his grace is always in the thorn. Christianity is either supernatural or it's nothing at all. A supernatural Jesus, a supernatural gospel, a supernatural Bible. Everything about it is supernatural. You take the miraculous away from Christianity and you have taken the very essence of Christianity away. You're left with nothing but a shell. Take the Holy Spirit away from the believer. Take the Holy Spirit away from a congregation. And the only thing you're left with is 2 Timothy chapter 3. A form of godliness with no power. And the best that that form of godliness can do is debate and fight and divide and strive with one another to its own destruction. But put the power of God into that body and there will be love and forgiveness and joy and liberty and freedom. Freedom of the Lord. It is not our form of godliness that will change the world. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And beloved, you are given the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is not an individual matter according to Matthew 18. There has to be at least two that are in agreement. And it's not that we're just in agreement for something to happen. But it's those two have heard from heaven. It's like those two women in the Hebrides. That believed they heard God for revival and that God was going to move. And they knew that God said to bring Duncan Campbell in here. And they appealed to Duncan Campbell whose schedule was filled for the next year or two or three years. And there's no way that he could come. And the two old ladies said, we heard from heaven. Tell Duncan Campbell to change his schedule and to get where God wants him to be. They would not take no for an answer. Duncan Campbell changed his schedule, goes to the Hebrides, and revival breaks out. It's powerful what God can do when people hear God, when they hear heaven. It's not a presumptuous faith, but it's a true faith. It's a living faith. The miracles of Jesus Christ are related to the kingdom of God, and they cannot be separated. Where Jesus is, there are miracles. And I say where the Holy Spirit is, there are miracles. Power, life, invincible. The Holy Spirit is invincible. And he lives in you. And he lives in me. And it's not as he is, so am I. But as he is, so are we. It's the body that works together and walks together. And the Holy Spirit can bring this body together in that type of unity and one mind then watch out hell, watch out Baton Rouge, watch out disease, watch out addiction, watch out suicide. You have met your match. Because that's the only thing that's going to stop it. A church living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Don't you want to? Don't you want to? I can tell you this, that I want to serve the kingdom of God. I want the kingdom of God to be an outpost. I want First New Testament Church to be an outpost. I want it to be a refugee camp. Not weak and barely hanging on or surviving, but full of strength and power and might. Where people who are being oppressed in Baton Rouge and worn out of that life can run to First New Testament church knowing there's the kingdom of God is there. Freedom is there. I can be protected there. God is there. And I will be cared for. Oh, I pray for that. James chapter 5. I want you to read this with me. Church in action. We read about the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How they prosper all. I just want you to see this a little bit in James chapter 5 verse 14. And I won't be much longer. But it says this. In verse 13 he says. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Notice the word. Is any among you afflicted? Now, I know he could be writing a letter to a church, and it's just in general to people that might be there, but I like to see it as the gathering. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. So you're obviously not alone in your prayer closet. And pray one for another. You have to be with each other to pray for one another. That you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'm talking about liberty in the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit wears this body called the church. And I just look here in James and I look at the activity that is going on in the church. And what if this were a church service? How beautiful would that church service be? How full of life and expectations and faith. Not the kind of church service you go to and you find your seat and you sit there quietly and you sing some songs, listen to the preacher preach and then go home. People are doing that all over the world and yet the world is growing more dark every day. But look at the activity. Look at this. People who are afflicted are praying. People who are merry are singing. People who are sick are calling for the elders of the church. Look at all of that activity that could be going on in the body of Christ in a meeting. Look at the people of prayer, you know, that are praying for the sick and and anointing with oil. Look at people confessing their faults one to another. Look at people praying for one another that they might be healed. Isn't that a beautiful church service? Isn't that beautiful? All of the things that are happening there and taking place. All of the activity. Listen, when I read this, there's something for everyone in God's house. Every emotion of joy. And I'm just talking about James. Every emotion of joy is to be celebrated. And every burden of oppression is to be removed. Every emotion from joy to trouble is to be expressed in the house of God among brothers and sisters who genuinely love one another and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are operating and people are being relieved or people are being inspired in their joy. That is a beautiful church service. And people will go for miles and miles to get to a place like that. That is in you. That is not up here. That is not up here. Because up here, we're begging you every service we gather to do it. But that is out here. And that's the freedom and that's the liberty you have in the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Can I go pray with somebody? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, I don't know what their need is. What if their need is greater than me? The Holy Spirit anoints you with gifts and the Holy Spirit will move through your life so that the manifestation of the Spirit will bring profit to all. So beautiful. I want to share this with you just very quickly. And this is in, I'm going to read two scriptures, 1 Peter chapter 2 and Revelation 4. And I want you to just, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this. In verse five, you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I'm talking about this is the church. This is the church. So you can argue, you can dispute, you can disagree, but this is the church. First Peter 2:5, you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth The praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh God, what do you want me to do to be a relief station? What do you want me to do to be a refugee camp for multitudes of people that need to come out of hell? Lord, what do you want me to do for the church of Jesus Christ? You brought me to First New Testament Church. This is my church. This is where I am. What do you want me to do? I want you to offer I'm answering as God through this passage. I want you to offer to me spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and well-pleasing to me. I want you to show forth, listen, I want you to show forth my praise, God's praises, for I have called you out of darkness into light. That's what I want you to do. Now, if we can't do that in church, You're certainly not going to preach Jesus at work. You're certainly not going to go to the next outreach and boldly proclaim the gospel. Let me couple this with Revelation 4. And I want you to see it. Remember what Jesus taught us how to pray? He said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, if, if you're wondering what that is, I would say to you, you're about to see heaven. And if you're wondering what should be done on earth, here's what's being done in heaven. It's spelled out in black and white. It is in perfect agreement with 1 Peter chapter 2. And it is the beginning... And it is the end of all spiritual warfare. Praise always is. And in Revelation chapter 4, it says in verse 14, round about the throne were 24 seats. And upon the seats I saw 24 elders. They were clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, voices. And it says in verse 6, there was this throne in the sea of glass unto crystal. Was and in the midst of the throne, round about the throne. These beasts that are there. These angelic beasts that God had created. And in verse 8, the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within, they rested not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever, when they did it, the 24 elders, they fell down before him that sat on the throne And worshipped him. That lives forever and ever. And cast their crowns. Before the throne. We don't have crowns today to cast. But the picture in Hebrews. of, Of our praise to God. Is that you're actually hurling. Praise to him. One day we'll have an actual crown in our hand. But right now until we do. We have praise that we can just. Like throw at God. Not disrespectfully. But honorably, we throw at God. And it's and, and they're saying, right now, they would be saying in heaven, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things. And for your pleasure, they are and were created. Romans, I, I, Revelation 5, Jesus moves. He takes the book. He begins to open the book. And he goes and sits down on the throne. And in verse 8, when he had taken the book, the the, the four beasts, the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So you see prayers being offered up to God. That's what the vials of odors are, the prayers. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by Your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And You have made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I heard, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. The number was... 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And they're saying, and and it's loud. and And they're saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea And all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said amen and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him that lives forever and ever. And so I just I bring that to you tonight because we are the extension of God's kingdom on earth. The church of Jesus Christ. And wherever the Holy Spirit is, there's liberty. There's freedom. Wherever the Holy Spirit is. And if we want to know and understand the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit, we have to be spirit filled people. And a spirit filled people are a people that are in touch with heaven. They believe God, they believe the will of God, they know the things that God wants, they desire the things that God wants. They want an atmosphere and a place where God lives and God expresses himself and the Holy Spirit can manifest his power among the people and it can profit all who come. That's what he wants. Listen to me. I ask you this question. It says, Jesus said, Lord, for us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's a question. When was the last time You bowed on your knees publicly and worshipped God. When was the last time you publicly fell? You just fell. I believe because the strength was gone at the presence of God. You were so aware of Him you we were so in touch with him church was not just church it was not just a service anymore i entered in i just fell before god and all i could do was worship him that's what's going on in heaven and we want heaven to move on earth and yet as believers we won't let heaven move in church and we do Maybe I'm speaking a little bit negatively there because we do want and allow the Holy Spirit to move. But I just ask you that question. When was the last time with a loud voice that you just cried out how worthy the lamb is? Because you were aware of his presence. You see, most people in our churches don't do that because they're not aware of His presence. If Jesus were to show up in the flesh right now, we'd all be on our faces. We couldn't resist Him. How wonderful it is to have the Holy Spirit so that we can be aware of God. And we can know Him. We can be aware of His presence and we can be moved by His presence. And we can fall before God and we can worship the Lord. Just worship the Lord. And when we are in touch with heaven like that, we're going to continue this, but we're in touch with heaven like that, then heaven can speak to us. To all of us. And show us what its desires are. What the king's desires are. What the king's will is. Republicans and Democrats just passed a horrible law that's going to attack the church. So what do we do? How oh, we get a new politician? No, touch that throne. Touch that throne. If you can touch that throne, celebrate that throne. I know I'm pointing up it wherever. It, worship God and fall before God. Be in touch with him and then he can speak to us. And we don't have to fear what man does. Because we're the authority. We're the power. What the church did to Rome. So I pray, I just want to sink in that we could be a refuge, refugee camp, a relief station. Be the real deal. But it takes us all. It takes us all. So be spirit filled. Learn every day of your life to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your heart. Give thanks to the Lord. And that's how your spirit filled. Not because you do those things, but because it eventually comes from your heart. The melody of the heart. That's what the old timers used to call praying through. They had to pray past their flesh and their boredom and their distractions and their struggles until they entered in. You can do it in your car. You can do it at your bedside. You can do it while you're laying on your bed in the early mornings when you're waking up. You just worship the King. and love Him. And what you do privately becomes public. So I said this. When was the last time we bowed before God publicly? fail before God publicly. Maybe a better question would be this. When was the last time you did it privately? When was the last time the presence of God was so real? She you and God that you just collapsed. And His beauty, His worth, His glory. There's nobody like Him. Nobody like Him. More worthy. And he opens his hand and he satisfies every desire you have. Every desire. Stand with me. Father, we thank you tonight. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you on earth. Thank you for the opportunity to be the church, to be your kingdom to be the body that the Holy Spirit wears. Wow, what a privilege, God. What a privilege. Thank you. Teach us. Give us revelation. Lead us, Lord. Lead us into your presence. Let us be excited to come into your presence. Not hype, not show, but faith. Passion, zeal, emotion, but faith truth spirit Lord let the hurting and wounded and abused and molested in our city who are looking for life and hope and help let them know there's a refuge here from this world and it's the kingdom of God the king is here salvation life, liberty the world know it. Let it understand it.